Not so human, Jean Grey, Sunfire, Monet, Boom Boom, Sebastian Shaw, Lucky Domino, Banshee, Darwin, We Can't Let the Flatskins Win, North Star, Firestar, Aurora Monroe, Prodigy, Sauron, Gateway, Zorn and Zorn, Magneto, Kate Pride, Cyclops only has one eye, Moira, Selene, Xavier's got a new dream, Pyro, Strong Guy, Mutants Cannot Die, We Unleashed Hellfire, It Was Always Burning Since the Phoenix Was Yearning To Light the World on Fire, now we cannot unlight it, but we tried to fight it. Whoa. From the ashes, I redeem myself. That was epic. That was fun. That, that was, was much longer than I thought it was going to be this time. Yeah. Well, you just keep me guessing. You you shot me down hard. You know, you hit me in the heart and I uh, took it to personal levels. <laughs> <laughs> you. Well, I'm glad that I gave you constructive criticism because that was so much better. Constructive is a choice word. You know, it was a a dig. So shall we begin? Do you know what we're talking about after all that nonsense? Do you know? We're talking about the Dark Phoenix Saga Part Ah, 2. Ah, the Dark Phoenix Saga Part 2. Part 2. Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm Justin. Yes, you are. I always get jazzed up when I write some kind of stupid song. As you should. It just takes a long time. It just takes a long time. Get jazzy with it. Hey, so part two of the Dark Phoenix Saga, right? You know, if we, I I told this to Andy, the fact that this is how we were dividing the story. And he was like, wow, I actually, actually really like that, which was a. As if it was a movie or something. Right. So that's what I pitched it to him as. (laughs) I was like, if I was to, if I was to have the creative control of how to divide this as a story, the Phoenix story would be three parts. There would probably be some narrative content in between. Wait, three parts? Phoenix. Oh, and then Dark, Dark Phoenix, Phoenix one, and Dark, Dark Phoenix, Phoenix Okay, two. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I have to wait for a third part? And there would be adventures in between. I mean, almost. There's adventures in between. Yeah, well, I mean, like, there's so many. How many issues? Like, even if it's just Proteus, you know, which is still a big story, or the Savage Land. Like, you... Come on, you could basically do Jurassic Park, but in an X-Men movie. Don't even tempt me with something like that. I just did. Make it happen. Me? Yes. <laughs> okay, I'll do it with my toys. What do you remember about Dark Phoenix Saga Part 1? Where are we? Where have we last left our heroes? This is an unfair question because I wasn't prompted that I was going to have to remember Dark Phoenix 1. And I have had a lot of information shoved in my brain today. All right. Well, but, what was the but, what was the name of the movie? The, the the thing. <laughs> what? Well, what was the who were our our narrative focus? So I just watched Infinity War again. Yeah. How dare you? Yeah, I'm already upset about that. Upset Please about don't that. bring it up again. Thanos is the protagonist of Infinity War. I, I was be, I've been reading some deep dive articles on Collider. Check them out if you're interested. Each one about a specific MCU movie. And they go into interviews and behind-the-scene details, and it's kind of assembled into this little story. I've read like seven of them over the last couple of days. But it made me want to watch Infinity War because of the narrative structuring of Thanos being the protagonist of that movie. What okay. do you remember? So I remember there's the Hellfire Club. Oh, uh, yeah. And there's a guy who's not Sebastian Shaw. What's his name? Jason Wingard? Jason Wingard. Jason Wingard, who appears the whole time like he's this guy who looks nice, but really he's a creep. He's a creep in a potato sack. He 
he wants to I think he has like some seated plan that he like wants to really be in charge of the Hellfire Club. He does. And Sebastian's in charge of it. Kind no, no, no. This yes, guy is. no, but isn't well, there a guy who's like not even a mutant who's like technically in charge of the Hellfire Club? Sure. The Lord then, Imperial, but this but is the inner Sebastian's circle. But then Sebastian's like the head of the inner circle and Emma is introduced and Kitty shows up and because Emma goes to Kitty's house mm-hmm. and then the rest of the X-Men go to Kitty's house mm-hmm. and Kitty, this is when they take Kitty out to ice cream. Yep. But then like a whole bunch of stuff happens and her parents are like, I thought you were taking my kid out to ice cream. But and then Dazzler and then, and, da- and Dazzler was there and and you were there and you were there. But anyway, Jason Wingard is trying to get Gene on Wingardian Leviosa. (laughs) Wingardian Leviosa. Okay. So anyway, he he is trying to get Gene like on his side under his control. So he's like mind, body, and soul. You you know me, Gene. You know me. I've been I've been here the whole time. And he's like inserting these memories into her brain. And making her think that she was like, you know, Victorianly in love with him or something. And then they were married. and <laughs> Victorianly <laughs> in love. And Cyclops is upset uh, because he's like, Gene, what the heck? Yeah. And then they infiltrate the Hellfire Club. But what happens to them? Something. Wolverine's in the sewers. I don't remember. Wolverine's in the sewers. They think he's dead. They think he's dead. And all the other X-Men are defeated defeated so at the end of our first part because emma does something to them emma attacks them emma got taken out pretty early on actually okay jk well what would you just say before that before i inserted emma that wasn't true yep (laughs) what did you say they all got taken out by the inner circle and jean gray is fully transformed into the black queen the black queen long may she reign as wolverine is Plummeted down to the sewers, presumed dead. And that's where we left off. And that's where we'll pick back up with issue 133. Wolverine lashes out. Wolverine fights the putties. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, yeah, I like that. My putties. The countless Power Rangers references that are coming up in X-Men. So I love this issue. It's a really great cover. It's the start of our second half of our, our story slash movie duo. Ooh, baby. Wolverine Alone is the name of this issue. It's his first real solo story. Ah, the first of many. First of many, yeah. So a lot of narrative here is pretty straightforward with Wolverine. So it's infiltrate the Hellfire Club and work his way up to where his teammates are. He's trying to rescue what's happened to the X-Men. He's got to save them. I do want to call out a lot of the visually dynamic shots that we get here. John Byrne, the artist and co-plotter, loves Wolverine. He's a fellow Canadian and always felt as though Logan should have an elevated, higher status. He should be a bigger deal of a character than he was. And this is how he kind of becomes the character that he does become through Byrne's run. I just want you to know that when you said he's a fellow Canadian, I really took a second and I was like, Excuse me, what? You are not from Canada. And then I realized you meant like Logan's fellow Canadian. Logan's fellow Canadian, but also I am a quarter French Canadian. But you are not from Canada. We. Oui. Have you ever been there? Yes, one time. 
twice. Two times. Well, okay, page turn noise. Whoa, whoa. We're digging in. We're digging in. By Chris Claremont and John Byrne, our co-plotters. Chris on writing. John as our penciler. Terry Austin as our inker. Tom Orszowski as our letterer. And Glynis Ween as the colorist. Let's get it. Now, this we have seen the episodes of the Dark Phoenix Saga. And a lot of the visuals that we get here are, are similar to. We get this drop-in panel from Wolverine attacking these three guards. Three or four. I'm not entirely sure how many. But... I do know, technically, you've seen some of these specific guys before. Oh, I have? These are the henchmen that are working with Donald Pierce in the New Mutants. And and these as in the people in these suits or like these particular guys in these suits? These particular guys in these suits. These specific people that are about to get cut up and destroyed oh, by Wolverine. Oh, they're the ones And get augmented that- by cybernetics. To that save when, their lives. When Danny... Oh, yeah, when Danny pulls out the greatest fear and it's yeah. of Wolverine. Yes. Now this... Have you ever seen the movie Dirty Harry? No. Clint Eastwood? No. So this scene is a straight-on homage to that movie. I know what you're thinking. And he, he that's how it starts. Mm-hmm. And he starts like recounting what's happened and what he has in front of him to the henchman as he's going to attack him. Just the power of his claws he's talking about. I know what you're thinking. He's hurt, and he's five meters away from me, and I got a full clip of ammo in my rifle. Question is, can I kill Wolverine before he can reach me and cut me into shish kebab with those freaky claws of his? Well, bub, Wolverine is virtually unkillable. Wolverine's claws are adamantium. Like, this is... Ooh, Wolverine talking in the third person. Yeah. But and it's not the only comparison to a Clint Eastwood type character that he gets throughout the run. Like that is very much so a reference point. Imagine if Clint Eastwood played Wolverine. So a lot of people are saying Scott Eastwood, who I believe is his son. I was like, who's that? (laughs) (laughs) Who the heck is that? I'm so terrible when it comes to putting actors, names and faces together. Unless like I know them really well. Oh, that guy. Why is he? Why is there a picture of him strangling his father? You know, just fun times with dad. Just fun times with dad. So Wolverine goes after him, and on the same page, we get a little recap of our story before. Ah, excellent. We see our heroes captured and our villains victorious. Look at them all. All of them are smiling except that one guy. What's his name? Donald Pierce. Donald Pierce. He's like, I'm I'm upset because I'm half robot. Cyborg. Wah, wah. This the inner monologues here as our Hellfire men measure each other up. Shaw not trusting Wingard as Wingard's aware of it and wants to move forward with his plan. What you were calling out that the plot that he has to take control of the inner circle. He wants to be the big dog. Mm. And the team just shocked in disbelief of what's happening in front of them. Well, they're Long. like, look at Jean. Right. She's making out with this guy. They don't understand it. What's going on here? But Cyclops remembers, you know, thanks to Mastermind, Jean believes she's shifting in time, reliving the life of an 18th century ancestor every time she sees, including us, in the terms of the 1700s. Oh, I was about to like call out that panel and be upset that Jean looked almost exactly the same. But now I see that it's because... That's what's really there is them in their costumes. And then that's what she's seeing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Colossus looks like Gaston. (laughs) 
And so she just sees Nightcrawler as a regular guy. He's not blue. And then who's behind him? Cyclops. So he's got the hat covering his eyes. What? Yeah, but what is he wearing in the top? What's on his head? This is a ruby quartz helmet that's sealed to his head, blocking his vision and suppressing his eye beams. Oh. I'll be honest. I, I was reading through this story. I did read the story and I don't love the visualization and, and treatment of Storm here. But at the same no. time, I understand, you know, maybe that's just modern sensibilities looking back at an older story, which is also referencing an older time. Technically, timing wise, there would be slaves in America during the 1700s where Jean believes she is. It's just it feels a little uncomfortable knowing the entire creative team is white mm-hmm. and I don't think they're necessarily I mean I don't I'm not reading the dialogue but I think it's more just them visually putting into context oh no she straight calls her a slave oh all right well then um I have nothing to say we get a little bit more of our our flashback as Scott gives us the memories and a little bit more of the recap before he hatches his plan so what he is going to try to do and what that is is that he and Gene before when they were on that what look what is on his head <laughs> <laughs> all right i'll give you that that does that is a very phallic image right there yep no it definitely is <laughs> like it... i couldn't even listen to anything that you just said yep <laughs> okay but that is gene establishing the psychic rapport between her and scott this is what he plans to use to regain connection between her Okay. And we also get context on Shaw's next steps of his Project Armageddon plan that we found out in the, the original Phoenix Saga, learning the keys to mutant abilities and custom building through genetic engineering. Oh. Mutants created from scratch, essentially chimeras and, and the ah. resurrections, which I think is a kind of an interesting... Connection? Yeah. Pull? The next two pages we get are some interludes, right? They don't really advance our story, but they do build... A little more for our supporting cast. So we check in on Muir Island. Ooh, how's it going there? With Banshee and Moira. And Mo- Banshee's like, Moira, darling, feel up to a jog around the island? Oh, dreadful thought. Want to fool about then? <laughs> the spirit is willing, my love, but the flesh is beat. <laughs> Oof. Oof. Shut down, Banshee. Moira's telling Sean about the protections that Jean had installed in her mind to keep the Phoenix power at bay and how they've since been undone. The protections installed by? I think by her. By Moira? No, by Jean. Oh. Recognizing the awesome power that had unleashed to secure the entire universe. You like how I just straight up assumed Charles did it? I mean, I would not put it past him, and he might have had some involvement with it, but I don't think so. But we do next check in with Charles and Angel. Angel, flying over the moon. Flying over the moon at his home. Now, Xavier's- What's going on? them basically feeling bad for not trusting scott for taking the leadership role that he intended for him like he didn't necessarily do what he wanted to him and he also came down really hard on that in the last section professor xavier's a jerk yeah all the time all the time always (laughs) back in the hellfire club as wolverine continues his climb following nightcrawler's scent and there's a specific point where he can, you know, so I've been following Nightcrawler's scent. I'm starting to pick up traces of the other X-Men as well. How come he has Kurt's scent so much better? Is that just because well, they were maybe, together? Well, did maybe did Kurt come in a different way? 
Well, they came in together so, through like, the sewers. Yeah. So however he's going, that's the way that Kurt went. And then because he's getting closer to Kurt, he's getting closer to the others. And now he can pick up their sense as well. Yeah, I like that. Thank you. It's correct. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> as he's plotting what he's going to do, someone sneaks up behind him. Freeze, sucker. <gasps> oh, no. But we cut back as Scott enters the astral plane for the first time. Oh, He's got no control here and is immediately transformed back into his 1700s garb. Back into Paul Revere. He sees <laughs> Jean trying to break through to her, but Jason appears. Uh-oh. It's my husband, Jason. And they sword fight. Oh, a duel. Jason knew all along about the rapport between the two of them and was counting on Scott to try and reach Jean through it. Oh, no, Scott. You've given him just what he wants. By defeating him here, he'll sever all connection Gene has to him and to the X-Men. Oh, man. Like, if he dies in the astral plane, does he die in real life? Potentially. That's scary. Yeah. Be careful, Scott. The putties are back. Wolverine making a mess on the dance floor, throwing (laughs) this guy. You know, these guards... Not the regular goons, no. We get the frilly-wigged men with clubs, which... (laughs) I think it's just great. You know, we have layers of There's henchmen. an aesthetic at the Hellfire Club. Right. I mean, at least for them, they match the aesthetic. The putties. The putties do not. We do have some putties in action figure form here. I don't know what they're supposed to be. Like, what? how do they fit into this uh, Victorian or S&M vibe? <laughs> <laughs> they're just faceless henchmen that they can, you know, use... Like putty. Like putties. I also, you know, like check the mask as his face looks like it is the mask, right? So it, yeah. it's very unclear as to what is face or what is mask. So his mouth is wide open and and looking as though it's actually his mouth. Yeah. And on this page, it seems that both of our heroes are defeated. Our Wolverine duel and Cyclops. He just stabs. He just, he just stabs Cyclops right through the heart. He's gonna be dead now in real life. Look at him. He's he on falls the to the ground in real life. The last reveal of Cyclops having fallen in the real world. The effects of his defeat on the astral plane. Cyclops is dead. Too late. Oh no. <gasps> and another cover. Issue Ooh. 134. This Heroes and Hellfire. It's interesting because this is an exciting cover, but it also gives me very like Beauty and the Beast torch mob vibes. Hmm. I think it's like the fire and the the shadow or like the the red silhouetted figures that are like kind of have this mob mentality to them. Yeah. Going through this arc, I really noticed how much of the covers I love Mm. and just how well they stick out and just... How relevant they are to the stories. (laughs) (laughs) Salty. Salty. Alicia's upset because not always is that a guarantee in comics. And it, you know, should be expected as such that the covers don't always advertise what's on the inside. Listen, Mm -hmm. I can have my little pet peeves. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. And whether or not it should be expected, I still don't like it. That's fine. I'll just tell you. All right. Cyclops is alive wait what but severely injured oh so they just missed the vital organs that psychic murder almost finished my physical body as well yes oh and even jason says i trust you've learned your lesson cyclops gene gray belongs to the hellfire club 
Body and soul, now and forever. Oof. Yikes. And we get all our alternate looks. Because, again, issue to issue, we're getting these recaps because a month is going by in between. We're going, you know, uh. We went from one to the next. We're able to, to binge read issue 133 to issue 134 for those keeping score at home of mm. issue numbers. Those of us who are not keeping score, they're just issues. Um, <laughs> so the top one is what? What they look like in real life. What's the second one? What they look like normally. So this What's is what the difference between what they look like in real life and what they look like normally? Like, normally that's what I, they look like in is, that. This is what they look like captured, right? Okay. You notice that Aurora looks disheveled. She doesn't have her crown. Cyclops yep. has that red helmet. helmet. Colossus okay. is not in metal form and he looks scared. Normally, our heroes look like this. And then they look ready and they're not but Thanks scared. to Mastermind's power, power of illusion, they look like three soldiers in George Washington's Continental Army and a turncoat slave to this woman, the Black Queen of the Hellfire Club. A.K.A. Jean Grey. Then we get our two faces of Jason Wingard and Mastermind. Yes. And our other three members of the Inner Circle. Shaw, you devil. Salty Donald Pierce. And we talked about this in previous issues, but there's much more of an intentional effort back in the day, especially to make all these issues accessible. Any issue could be someone's first issue. That mm-hmm. was a, a mandate from Jim Shooter that, you know, even earlier on in the run, you'll see very descriptive iterations of them using their powers. You know, Colossus turns into organic steel. Mm. The adamantium claws rip through Wolverine's flesh and then the housing of his body well i feel like they don't do it completely in the newer comics but the one the all of the whatever part of x we're on now reign of x dawn of x the krakoa era the krakoan era there's always on the title page there's always like that little summary yep That that for me really helps if I haven't read, like if I'm reading something that I miss it, I've missed a bunch of issues on that little summary is basically what this these couple pages are doing, but mm-hmm. just in like a paragraph form. That's like, here, let me catch you up real quick. Yeah. And kind of in the form of uh, previously on, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll pull out the points that might have happened a couple of issues ago. Right. It's just like it's it's that same mentality of a previously on in that like these are the things we're going to follow up on in this issue. So. Mm-hmm. Be aware that they happened. We go further on our recap as we get the full layout of what's been happening. Even a call to the housing that Wolverine had slashed open. Oh, on his quest. Issue 132 with Nightcrawler sneaking into the Hellfire Club. Oh, so way, way back. Way, way back. But then bursting through the door, back from the dead, Wolverine makes his move. He's back. Evening, folks. The name's Wolverine. You and me got business, and all the flunkies in creation ain't gonna keep me away. Leland, you unmitigated fool. You swore to me that Wolverine drowned. Well, I thought he did, but I didn't account for the fact that he can come back to life. Yeah. Jason's planning his move into the top ranks of the Hellfire Club, commanding Jean to take down Wolverine. But as she does, she's also freeing Cyclops from his restraints. He blasts the covering off and frees the rest of his team. Wait, how? Like, uh, just... We find out in the next page. Okay. On the next page. We get our rematch between the X-Men and the Hellfire Club. 
But with awesome action, Wolverine calls out that Jean is on their side as he goes to take on Leland for a second time. Shaw taunts Cyclops, saying that his powers are ineffective here, but the master strategist has a plan around hitting him. Oh, I'm take off my jacket now. I am a ninja. Now here, Pierce is able to get the upper hand on Colossus in his human form. But just you wait. Divide and conquer as Cyclops commands the team to their opponents. We're getting some indication here that Jean broke free because of Jason focusing on his plot to take down Shaw. So she, he wasn't fully focused on her. On keeping her in control. Oh, and, and on also, her illusion. So yeah. she was, she's all too powerful to be. Right. And also the, the shock that was delivered from attacking Cyclops in the astral plane that kind of severed slash attacked the connection that they had also awoken the fact that that was supposed to be there (gasps) you fool jason but this on this bottom page i'll just disappear into the wall ah you can't see me i'm camouflaged oh that's a cool panel where he's diving down where it's yeah where it's like this one vertical but sideways but horizontal no the red one yeah Yeah, so this is Leland trying to use the same trick twice, but this time it works against him as Wolverine slams into him with a much higher mass than normal. So Leland's power being to affect the body mass of Ah. other people, Wolverine uses that to his advantage and goes through the floor with him. You can't trick me twice. No, bub. I'm smart. I'm smart. Storm and Nightcrawler team up to disorient and take down Shaw. Who look it, at him. Look at him, Shaw. He's running away. You can't. I'm just going to escape on these stairs. Yeah. Not today, mister. They're trying to attack him in ways that aren't physical because that's his mutant power. So Because then he could absorb it. Right. So they're learning and they're trying to adapt their strategies. What the heck is Beast doing here? Four blocks up Fifth Avenue in an equally imposing structure that happens to be the headquarters of the world's mightiest superhero team, we find the Beast. Who is currently an Avenger as there's a phone call from the police alerting the Avengers and to report. So he's he's currently an Avenger in the part of the story and them receiving this call that the Hellfire Club is under attack by the X-Men. Oh, the, so the Hellfire Club is calling for the help of the Avengers. Right. What a twist. Instead of following Avengers procedure, which would be to contact all nearby members, he goes in alone because Beast. he knows... Why would the X-Men attack the Hellfire Club? Right. He's going but to save his friends. Also, he could still he could still be like, hey, Avengers, something fishy's going on at the Hellfire Club, and I think the X-Men actually need our help. Potentially, yeah. And we get the rest of Colossus versus Pierce as he's in armored form, breaking the cyborg arm of oh, Pierce. ripping it right off. But... With these wild wires, Colossus is stabbed in the eyes. Oh, my. Which is kind of suspect. You know, I thought, I don't, I don't is that like Colossus's one weak point is his eyes? His eyes. Ah, uh, everything else turns my to metal except for my metal. eyes. Can Magneto control Colossus's body? Yes. Oof. We've, uh, I've seen that in a couple of issues. And just using him essentially as a, a battering ram That's at times. That's crazy. Yeah, you think, I mean, you think about this team against Magneto is not Not all that effective. You got Wolverine, you got Colossus, both mm, easily Mm. taken down. Both can be manipulated by him pretty easily. So Nightcrawler's keeping Shaw in stasis. Oh, just bouncing him around. You know, he's a circus performer. He's just playing around with him on his feet. Yeah, use your strengths, you know. Right. 
but it backfires on him. Oh, man. As he grabs Nightcrawler's foot and flips him upside down. But this entire time, Storm has been freezing the area around him, weakening him. Uh-oh. He throws Kurt into Aurora and retreats, barely making it out. Coward. As much as I dislike them because of the bad guys, I love how Sean Pierce retreat to come back to them another day. Like this is this is how you leave good villains open to another time, you know? Like they they realize that they've been defeated. They go and they regroup and they're planning to they attack run away. again. Right. You know what that they're rats. They're rats and they go back and they hide in the sewers. Sure. And they come back out to do ratty things. Is this a rat thing? Is this... I don't know. Oh, okay. You seemed very... I just was going with it. Yeah. It felt right. Okay. They're rats. Upstairs, Cyclops is seemingly attacking the guests. Cyclops. But it's really a play by Mastermind as the lights finally go out all Ooh. around them. How did he know? How did who know? How did he know they weren't really guests? Oh, Cyclops is seemingly attacking the guests, a.k.a. Mastermind is attacking the guests. Mastermind is using not an illusion Cy- to make it seem that Cyclops is attacking not the guests. Not Cyclops is attacking people thinking they're guests, but they're really not. No. I understand. And then the lights go out. The lights go out as Phoenix becomes unleashed. <gasps> she stands Uh-oh. motionless, a shadow among shadows, feeling dark fire consume her soul. Her She's face mad. is supernally calm. Oof. Her face lies. Jean Grey is terrified, more afraid now than she's ever been, because she knows what is happening to her, and she can't stop it. Oh, gosh. Jason recounts the current score to himself, wondering how he could have lost his control over Jean. You made a mistake, Jason. Oh, God. You slew the man I loved before my eyes. Instead of severing my last connection with the X-Men... That acted like a bucket of ice water on my face. Instead of enslaving me forever, you shocked me awake. You set me free too late. Oh, no. No, I compensated for the reaction. My power should have... Your power is nothing. Oh. This pa- this panel right ooh, here... She's ooh, so scary ooh, looking. She's I know. so scary looking. This is, this is like... Your power is nothing. While under attack, crying for his life... Jean is able to discern exactly how Mastermind was able to reach into her mind. There was a mind trap mechanism, White Queen's design. So Emma Frost put this together. It allowed him to project illusions directly into her mind as well as monitor your thoughts. So normally, you know, he's not a telepath. How was he able to do this? Them working in tandem. Oh. Which is kind of great that, you know, you have a cosplay of Emma Frost and I have a cosplay of Jason Wingard. We just need to find some Jean and mess up her day. But then also have it backfire on us. Michelle, you listening? (laughs) Jean's retaliation. Through me, you sought power. Very well, then. I'll grant your wish. I'll give you power, Jason Wingard, such as no living being has ever dreamed of. Uh Uh-oh. She essentially shatters his mind by overwhelming him. Like she overloads him him with power. power. And he just erupts. Yeah. This is the incredible power that the Phoenix Force has been craving all along, and she's seemingly giving in to its control. Oh, man. Look at him. He's just like He's like a shriveled mess. He can't take it. Overwhelmed, disoriented, and shutting Cyclops and the X-Men out, Phoenix lets them know that they must retreat. The cops are incoming, ready to arrest them. Uh Uh-oh. Shaw watches from afar, pledging revenge. I will get you. 
You will pay for this, X-Men. That's what he would say if it was a cartoon. Yeah. They gather on the ship. Cyclops is concerned as to why Jean is continuously shutting them out from their psychic rapport, feeling useless as he summons their escape vehicle, hoping to reach Professor X to help. The X-Men are unsure why Cyclops seems so driven and mad. They're all unharmed. You know, it's like, we won. We, we got away. What's so pro- What's the problem? Well, Jean's, something's not right with Jean. Jean is reading them all like an open book, reeling under the impact of more sensations than she has names for. As her song of power builds to its inevitable crescendo, as she makes her power known. Oh, man. She makes her power known. Oh, gosh. There she is. On the last page of this issue, with this all-too-quotable-and-epic monologue, Hear me, X-Men. No longer am I the woman you knew. I am fire and life incarnate, now and forever. I am Phoenix! Oh, no. Oh, she has an electric guitar? Yeah. Boom! Guitar solo. There's There's a meme that was like, three options i'm gay i'm straight i am fire incarnate no oh, yes i remember <laughs> this fire meme. life incarnate now and forever i am phoenix now it has more meaning to me yeah what do you think what do you think so far let's let's do a little check-in so we we have now just witnessed the end of the hellfire club in this story so basically <laughs> it just is so frustrating that none of this is included in any phoenix movie so now, ever now you know like Every time we would watch, and I was like, yeah, it was fine. You know, it was it fun. It was fine. And, and I tried to be as generous with my reads of the films I mean, the if films you don't know anything about right. this, the Phoenix movies, you, they're not as bad as you think they're. they're right. You're like, okay, I, get, I mean, like, I guess they're okay. They kind of don't have enough build, but, like, you just don't know. You just don't appreciate the fact that there's this whole thing, this whole manipulation of Gene that triggers the eruption of the Phoenix. Like. Yeah. So theoretically, if Jason never did all that stuff to Jean, like could she have lived as like regular Phoenix and not gone like to this extreme dark Phoenix place because yeah. because the the mind control that he did basically like suppressed the Phoenix and the the Phoenix don't like to be suppressed. Right. Suppressed and tried to take control over. I mean there was the time where I think it was Fire Lord in the Phoenix saga, where she was craving the power that she was getting from defeating him. And you saw hints of mm. what could be a dangerous use of this. And I feel like that's was it was still in check. You know, it was still something that she was aware of. But I feel like she had like I feel like her or the Phoenix or whatever had to tap into this furthest extreme of her power or of the power of the Phoenix to be able to break free from what he was doing. Mm. Like it maybe in that instance, like when she was fighting that other guy, like she had to go to that next level. That's the only way that she could get there. Right. So, well, I mean the fire Lord Herald of Galactus, he had the power that she needed to compete. So in this instance, like, because Jason was like, I thought I would have, my power would have been enough or whatever. It would have been enough maybe just for Jean, but because Jean is also the phoenix Mm -hmm. it wasn't enough and that just like forced it to go to that next level yeah so there's there's just nothing in the movies that shows you how it gets to that next level right no it's just something brewing it just makes you believe that the phoenix force is evil like the phoenix force itself which no 
I mean, it can be at times, but not really. It's it is just this awesome godlike power that does not like to be manipulated. That- but now I'm just interested to see like how does this end? Like what happens next? Oh, this what cover. a creepy little cover. This cover. I she's mean, crumbling the X Men. Right, metaphorically in and, and visually. Right. She's smushing it. The covers tell the story in this arc, and I feel like that's Isn't why I love that them so much. Amazing. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it amazing how that works? What we just had teased at the end of the last issue is now on full display, defeated by Dark Phoenix. Oh, the X-Men are dead. And you want to talk about cool splashes. This, I just love this. The, Dark The fire Phoenix. erupting around the ship. Dark Phoenix. Yeah, that's awesome. Witness the birth of a god. Ooh. I just love how- I it- love how it says witness the birth of a god and not witness the birth of a goddess. Mm, yeah. Little applause on that. There you go. Thank you, Chris. The ship has been obliterated. Oh, geez. The X-Men are falling as each of them deal with it in their own way. Colossus drops intentionally fast. Nightcrawler teleports down, which is kind of suspect because uh, knowing how his power works, he would teleport with the same centripetal force that he would have as he was falling. So he would hit the ground with just as much force as he was falling. So unless he but, reacted really quickly right, while as he was you, in the air. As you drop further and further when you're falling in a situation like that, your acceleration increases. So sure. if he drops at the beginning, he might still hit the ground with force, but he's not going to hit the ground with as much force he, as he would if he just continued to yep, fall. Yep. It isn't the most Science. gentle of landings. And it also kind of looks like he, maybe, I don't know if you can do this Nightcrawler, I don't know if you can do this, where he angled the fall to go sideways. So he yeah, like kind of rolls out. He, he bamfed vertical to horizontal. Yeah, yeah, basically. It's a perpendicular bamf. <laughs> I made a right triangle, a right angle with my bamf. Storm catches Wolverine by his undies and swings <laughs> him to the ground. That's a wedgie. So with Storm holding on to Wolverine, he grabs Cyclops' arm as he's free-falling. And the three of them try to deter the phoenix fight her off can they do it this bottom panel yours was an admirable ploy ploy storm but escaping me won't be that easy why are you attacking us for pity's sake gene why ask not for pity from dark phoenix my love there is none in her Oof. this uh continued reference to the pleasure she gets from using this extreme power how she this is like driving the sensation of exerting all this power over these people. Mm. Colossus tries once to you stop pop, her. The fun don't stop. You know, once you unleash the Dark Phoenix, that's it. Sorry. It's over, baby. Colossus tries to stop her with his tree, but she telekinetically transforms him back to human form. Whoa. Which is crazy. She she te- telekinetically transformed me back to my human self. I'm no longer strong enough to hold the tree as it falls onto him. And she changes the tree into solid gold. What? As Wolverine tries to save Colossus. Oh, my Lanta. There's no reasoning with her. Even as Storm tries to, it's no use. But what was her reason for attacking them in the first place? Like, all this whole issue started and all the whole last issue ended. Like, what made her so angry at them specifically? Like, they defeated the Hellfire Club, and then she was like, I'm the Dark Phoenix. I'm going to kick your butts. What's your problem, Gene? So they don't really give you much motivation as to why she's attacking the X-Men. I think it's just because she's been driven angry and she is not in control. And now the fact that she blew up the ship 
and they're all freaking out and they're trying so to stop So the Phoenix her from... just doesn't understand the difference between the X-Men and I mean, the, the Phoenix he- isn't Jean, right? Right, but that's what I'm saying. The Phoenix doesn't understand the difference between the two, so she's just like going crazy on everybody. Well, and then once she starts to like she starts she blows up the plane and now it seems as though they're all trying to stop her. Like immediately they a try to save themselves and try to stop her from blowing up with all of her power. Yeah, because she just blew them up. Right. So I mean it's it's like one thing led to another and now they're in a full out battle. It's crazy. It's out of control, Gene. You're out of control. You're turning trees to gold. Yeah. And Storm is taken down. Oh, man. As Cyclops gets some psychic image of inside Jean's mind, black flames consuming her soul as she defeats the rest of the X-Men. So, I mean, that's really the, the effect is that it's it's turning her. It's It's changing her into the person that we don't know, into just this awesome power force that will not be rivaled by anyone, will not be controlled by anyone. Yikes. You and I are quits now, X-Men. Our paths will cross no more. My destiny lies in the stars. This last page. In the stars. We get a little brief catch up with the Hellfire Club aftermath as Senator oh, Kelly how are you guys doing? and Sebastian Shaw are leaving together. The police are unable to locate the muties. Oh, Sebastian Shaw, you, you dirty little butt face. You're a mutie. The cops said that. I know, but like he clearly is playing it like the mutants attack me and right. I don't know what to do. Right. Well, I mean, that's his game. You know, his, I know. his so game is the destruction the of all mutants. He doesn't care as long as it's not him. He's he, the worst. He wants all power. He doesn't. He's just out to stop anybody in his way. The worst. For sure. He's the villain. I mean, he's always forever. I hate you, Shaw. You know, the officer says they're out of their league. They can't go after this giant firebird. Yeah, what do you want me to do, man? They need a rival super team to take on the X-Men. Shaw uses this to broach the topic of Sentinels. Shaw? Yeah. Shaw has been... Shaw was initially working with Project Armageddon. So Stephen Lang oh, with the yeah. X-Sentinels in space. God, I hate that guy. Yeah. <laughs> but they're interrupted by the sight of Storm's lightning and a fiery phoenix bird. Oh, snap. Marvel heroes all around the universe react to the awesome power display. Oh, we got the thing, the uh, the Fantastic Four guy. Was that Reed? Mr. Fantastic. And then we got Spider-Man. Is that Doctor Strange? Yep. Who's this other guy? The Silver Surfer's involved? They're all around. Like He's out and out on the edge of space. Oof. This awesome shot like of cannonball Jean flying off. She's a comet. They can't do anything to stop her as she leaves Earth soaring spaceward. Beast just happens to be flying the Avengers Quinjet. Oh, he finally showed up. Yeah. Nearly getting hit by the Phoenix's effect and seeing the park on fire, which I think is a little questionable. You know, you just, I was just going by to answer well, this call. Right, yeah, he was coming by. But he was like, coming to the Hellfire Club, so what's he doing in the space? That's that's kind of like how it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, why is he up in outer space to fly four blocks <laughs> down the street and then almost gets hit he's by... he's always up to something. Right, almost gets hit by Phoenix as she's... Le- like, how long did that take you? Then sees that the what horse is on fire. What have you been doing this entire time, beast? Combing my fur. Landing, he comes to the aid of his former teammates. 
they all fly back to the X-Men's headquarters as we check in on our side stories. Xavier has felt the massive psionic energy and is contacting Moira. Moira. They must travel to New York to do whatever they can to help. We gotta go, Moira. Shawnee. Bring Shawnee. <laughs> Jean. Phoenix. Dark Phoenix. Soaring through space. She's recognizing the power within her and how it has twisted her initial intent for order and harmony. She's mad with power. We get a little flyby cameo of Dr. Corbeau noticing the energy beam as she gains incredible speed, traveling an immense distance. Who's Dr. Corbeau? The NPC to end all NPCs. From oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Phoenix, Phoenix Saga. I knew that I had heard the name before. I just forgot who it was. Which, Children of the Atom, they go to the Peter Corbeau Academy. Oh. Which I thought was a really great reference. Connections. Uh, so this is a pretty big page. Okay. So the power she's displaying on this page is, is ridiculous. She creates a stargate and hurls Phenomenal herself cosmic into a far power. off galaxy. Yeah. So she goes even further through space. She's just she's just getting out of here. She's got to go. She's burning through her power. She needs to recharge. And she dives into the heart of a main sequence G-type star, much like our own sun. Oh. Burns through it and completely consumes it, causing the destruction of a nearby inhabited planet, obliterating its people. Oh, my God. So these people right here, they're often That's referred terrible. to as the broccoli people or the, the Dabari, which oddly is the name of the villainous group in Dark Phoenix, the most recent Phoenix adaptation. They're called the Dabari, the oh, semi-shape yeah, yeah. Right, so that's these people. And this and space, that she solar just, system. she just knocks them out. Five billion people. What? She just takes out five billion people? You see in more detail on this next page. Oh, man. The death of this civilization as she thrills to the absolute power. She is in ecstasy. This is not this is not looking good, Jean. It's nothing compared to what she's experienced within the Emkron crystal. She craves the ultimate sensation and will pay any price to achieve it. Yikes. And here, just outside on the fringes of this doomed system, is a Shi'ar Imperial battlecruiser. Uh-oh. The Shi'ar don't like that you have this power, Jean. Well, they're trying to understand what happened to that sun and all the, the five billion people on this nearby planet. Like... They just got exterminated. Where, where was Who this? Who did it? How did this happen? They have visual of Phoenix and will engage. The Dabari must be avenged. <gasps> oh, man. What are they going to do? They fire on Phoenix, but she attacks back immediately, Swerves crippling their right ship. right out of that laser beam. Yeah, come on. Did you not just see me blow up a sun? Also, like, could she just like absorb that laser beam? Probably. Oh, God. And she just, she goes, she slices right through their ship? Yeah. Just blasts Slices right, right through, through the it? wing of their ship. They recognize there's no way to escape. So before they're taken down, they try to reach out to Lalandra. Lalandra! While in communication with the Empress, Phoenix destroys the rest of the fleet. Oh, gosh. This all-white panel as they're oh, no. consumed by the fire of Dark Phoenix. Oh, my goodness, Gravy. They've got to respond. They have to do something. Back on Earth at the mansion, our team is brooding over their recent defeat, trying to understand what could come next. Cyclops notices Phoenix's rapport. She's returning to Earth, and she's hungry. Uh-oh. Child of light and darkness next. Oh, but wait. 
There's more. <gasps> oh, I've seen this cover. Yeah. There's actually a recreation of this cover. I know. <laughs> I know. X Factor 10, spoiler alert, pause for effect <laughs> because I say it too quick. The recent death of Scarlet Witch was recreated in a cover of this. A homage. Do you say homage or homage? Is that the, homage. Homage is the French. Like That's the word it came from. Homage. Homage, or homage is like the English yeah, I say homage. I do too. I just heard other people say it. Homage or... Homage? Homage. Listen, I don't know, but I say homage. Yeah, I like to pretend I'm French. Well, you're French-Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> There's just so much emotion and reaction all throughout this page. You even see like the, the X-Men now, from before, right? Here's a moment that I will say. Yeah. I do love that this cover directly relates to the story. Mm-hmm. However... If you're going to tell me this is the finale. It's not. Okay. There's one more issue after this. But you're going to show me a dead gene on the front of the cover. I'm going to be upset that that's how I'm seeing it. That's true. You know? Don't miss this special issue containing more shocks and surprises than ever before. But it's a pretty dope cover. Yeah. You know, conflicted feelings. And talk about a dope first page. Just so much beautiful art with the Dark Phoenix saga. It's just so intense. John Byrne. So cool. So it's so like, cool. this is like the Phoenix Force is just like, I'm just going to devour this planet real quick. I think or is that's, that the sun? I think that's the star, the sun that she had consumed previously, as this is kind of the recap. Giving us that recap, kind of a play by play as Lalandra watches, discussing the fate of Phoenix. It's a really good recap page. Like they just, you know, they bring you right into this other perspective that, you know, they're getting recapped of what happened as we are mm. as well. We're getting a little further into the situation. We're wondering why Beast wasn't there. You know, the, this, I think it's Kennedy in the way that he's talking. Mr. Jarvis, I understand there was an Avenger was always supposed to be on monitor duty. I've been calling for some time without response. <laughs> Claremont loves doing the accented speech bubbles. They're great. They are great. And Jarvis is wondering, you know, like Master Beast was on monitor duty there's jarvis yeah jarvis of the avengers so in the comics he is a butler he's not actually like a ai program yeah he's a butler in um agent carter too right so that's that's primarily who he is through most of the avengers run and comic series now we here we get the emotions of the team as they're dealing with what just happened you know they're all kind of rocked they were destroyed essentially by the phoenix as she flew off well, I mean, they were, and then, and they, did they just find out that she just like destroyed a... No, they have no idea. So that wasn't, that recap wasn't to them. No, that was Lalandra and her Imperial Guard. Talking about Talking what about what they're going to do about all of this. Got it. We get a little bit of danger room session as they try to work through their things, get a little refresh on our heroes and their powers. Got to get those feelings out somehow. Yeah. Emotional distractions all around. As the phoenix returns to Earth. Oh. Visiting her childhood home. Oh no, this can't be good. She's having a lot of trouble here as she talks to her parents. Their minds are an open book and there's a struggle to maintain her reactions. Her sister Sarah reacting to the recent reveal to them of her being a superhero of sorts. Oh, they didn't know? No, they didn't. They found out in the phoenix saga. You know, when you send your kid to Xavier school, you don't 
You don't expect, know what's there. Yeah, you, something was wrong with my kid. This bald guy came and he said, I'll make it better. And they took my kid. And then you, there's the, the meme where it's like, you send your, your kid to Xavier's school and then a couple of weeks later you see him on the news fighting the juggernaut. I'm like, mm-hmm. what the heck? She's going off on her parents though. I do what I want. You can't control me. I am the Dark Phoenix. She flies I off. I the Dark Phoenix. Enter the X-Men. Oh. As Nightcrawler teleports and lands on top of her, equipping her with some device on her head. A meadow crown. They've got Jean hooked up to Beast's mind scrambler, trying to take her in, reluctant oh, to fight, no. but it's happening anyway. This this essentially is the movies, you know, where mm-hmm. like she's all powerful, crazy, and they're trying to just compete with it. And yes, Storm tries to connect with her through their relationship, but it's no use. The mind scrambler's abilities are waning. Uh oh, you fool, Beast. Wolverine goes in with the killer instinct, recognizing everyone else is holding back. Pops his claws, but as she says, do it, Wolverine. Strike while the human side of me is still in control. Finish me with your claws. I beg you, I don't want to hurt you. Oh. He falters. That's in the movies too, isn't it? Yeah, in the X3, I think. Yeah, yeah. like basically Gene's like, kill me, the whole kid. Yeah, and that's he does. And then he does. The power she displays over them, all five of them, held in stasis as she's toying with them, laughing at them. Scott comes in around the corner. Cyclops, I was wondering when you'd turn up. Uh-oh. Why, Jean? Look at her devilish grin. Yeah. <laughs> He's breaking through, getting to her, challenging the Dark Phoenix's rage and desire to kill us. He, she scoffs at the idea of her loving the X-Men. But Xavier, with the sneak attack, <gasps> tries to install... The psychic barriers in her mind. But you've just made her angry now. Listen, Charles. Don't be trying to control the Phoenix. Have no, you learned you nothing? It's such a cool battle page on this next page, though, as Whoa. they go head to head. All out mental barrage. Yeah, that bottom section that's like the Phoenix panels inserts with like Charles' eyes and the close up. As he's crying. Because of the awesome power, the struggle is epic, waged simultaneously on all the infinite planes of existence. An explosion. He's not necessarily able to defeat her, but bind her power in the same way she had previously done, unconsciously, essentially keeping it in stasis. There's a comparison to how she used her powers to hold back that neutron galaxy in the Phoenix Saga, binding the power of it in the same way she has been bound. So he succeeded. In calming her down. He did. Scott basically mentally proposes to her as he thinks she's dead. You know, he's like, Jean, she's so still. I'm not even sure she's alive. I want her to live, but what if she hasn't changed? What if she's still Dark Phoenix? I'll love her just the same. For better, worse, richer, poorer, sickness and health, I'll till death do his part. Hi, hi yourself. If I didn't know better, I'd say those thoughts I just picked up sounded like a proposal. They did, didn't they? What do you say, Red? I say yes. Hmm. Everything is seemingly resolved and set, except for the fact that Jean's dad is mad <laughs> and about to give Xavier a stern talking to. Listen, wheels, we gotta talk. <laughs> but suddenly, I feel like that's something he would say with his hand on his hip and his finger pointed like that. Listen to me. Something yeah. really insensitive. What the devil is going on? 
<laughs> Nick Xavier's like, I'd be happy to explain, Dr. Gray. But first, could I trouble you for some tea? It's been a strenuous night. Oh, Xavier. But suddenly, they disappear. Uh-oh. As we enter our final issue. The fate of the phoenix. How are you feeling? Last check-in before the, the finale. I'm ready for it to be over. You're ready for it to be over? Are you not enjoying it? Or? It's not that. It's it's obviously because I'm not reading panel by panel. It's a little bit like, okay, like for two issues now, the Phoenix just has like a crap ton of power and she's just throwing it around and we don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So like a resolution of some sort seems like it should be coming. Yeah. Either that or the story should take off in another direction, you know? Well, that's what it kind of does. And it's funny, uh, there was a thread from the Claremont run the other day about these nested continuity threads. So Mm. it seems as though, right, so the Hellfire Club wins, but really Wolverine is free and he's going to work his way back up to defeat them. Mm -hmm. Then the Hellfire Club is defeated, but really the Phoenix unleashes her dark Phoenix force and she becomes the attacker. And then she, over the last two issues, has been defeated and held back but then they disappear and they're you know like these nested plots feeding into each other to create this much larger story uh it was kind of interesting yeah that sounds cool special double size issue that's our final. oh she's in a marvel girl costume again yeah this is a classic cover i mean so many of these covers are but the overhead caption there the this marvel comic could be worth twenty five hundred dollars to you details inside Phoenix must die. Can I make a guess? Sure. I think they disappeared because of the Shi'ar. Ooh. I think the Shi'ar transported them somewhere. Potentially. Because they're upset and they're still trying to deal with the fact that Gene c- committed murder. Yeah. And they we had that kind of unresolved what happened with Lalandra yeah. previously. Yeah. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yes. <laughs> but <laughs> maybe, first. Maybe. What is Uatu, the Watcher. Oh. And he gives us our recap of what he's seen through the development of Jean and her powers. This is like big picture Jean's development over time. Interesting. As we get our... The of the Phoenix. Again, our epic opening splash. I was right. Look at the Shi'ar standing there. We last saw our heroes in front of Jean's parents' house, which Colossus tells us here. But now we're in space, surrounded by the Shi'ar and the Imperial Guard. Look at me. I'm so small. I nailed it. Yeah, you did. Alondra says the phoenix must be destroyed. And Cyclops is like, what? What is this all about? It is in the cartoon. Yeah, right. (laughs) Phoenix, Lalandra, what is this about? We were friends. And we get a brief recap of the destruction she caused. Yeah, we were friends, but you have this like ridiculous power inside of you that you can't control. And when it comes out, you do terrible things. Yeah. Well, she doesn't even know that she doesn't seem to even know that she did it. And everyone's reacting to the fact, the impact of Phoenix's fury. And they're all kind of, what, what, you know, Jean, could you, could you do that? Like, Oh dear sister, I have no words to comfort you to ease your torment. And if what gladiator says is true, part of me does not wish to forgive me, Jean. Well, Storm's going to tell it like it is. She does. Xavier's got his desperation play at the end. A duel of honor. A duel between who? So he's like, I'm not going to fight, but like I'll put up one of my guys to fight one of your guys to fight for Gene. Basically. What, is, what does he say? Aren in halia. 
for Jean Grey's life, I challenge you to a duel of honor. Ridiculous. And she has this like word bubble. She knows she can't refuse. Acknowledging that Xavier learned a whole lot while they were together on the ship. Ah, the fates, as she's pining for the fact, you know, instead, Charles, my beloved, had the fates weaved a different tapestry. We might have had the stars. Instead, we faced nothing but the ashes of dying dreams. Yikes. She can't just say yes, though. She's got to have the the Cree and the scroll. They need to weigh in. Yeah, they got to agree. And each of them has a representative there. You got to agree with the Cree. Yeah. But they all... <laughs> I made a rhyme. I just go. wanted to make a rhyme. Yep. They're at a, a centuries-long war between the Cree and the Skrull. Like, they are not allies. So how are they going to agree on what happens? Well, they're they're trying to reach a resolution. Like, they're not... You can still agree on something that is not... I guess, relevant to your fight. Yeah. But the challenge begins at dawn. Over the next few pages, we get kind of check-ins with our team. A handful of moments as... They look ahead to tomorrow's activities. This is highly unfair to the rest of the team. Like, Gene, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you have the Phoenix inside you, Gene. I'm sorry. But you and the Phoenix just beat the crap out of your team, blew off into space. They tried to help you. You didn't want any part of it. You ate a star. You just destroyed a planet you attacked the shiar then you came home you ruined your family's day and you were still about to you were still attacking your friends and then xavier was like no 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 my children gonna, will fight i'm gonna put this and then he was like everyone's like oh gene and this is what you did and storms all i don't know if i can really forget that you did this gene and then xavier's like yeah but one of you is gonna go down so that gene can live well, and then kind of in agreeing with what you're saying, Beast, Professor Xavier had no rights to the issue this challenge in all of our names without consulting us, but it did buy us time to consider our alternatives, whether we want to fight for her. How can we let our, one of our own be condemned without a fair trial or any at all? I thought you knew the X-Men better than that, Lalandra. Easy, Beast. Your courage and loyalty do you credit, Beast. You will have a day to rest and recover your strength to prepare. The duel begins at dawn. So he's like, you know, he's he's like, what? How, a Professor Xavier can't do this. Does he's just Charles, volunteering again? Just like, but B, how can you say that she's just gonna die without anything? Like, what if what you're saying isn't true? You know, we got no proof that she. I mean, we have the proof because we read the issues, but yeah. And over these next couple pages, right? So we check into Nightcrawler. He must not only fight for Jean, but potentially forgive her for the destruction that he's caused. she's caused. Wolverine contemplating the potential death ahead of him, something he knows is a reality all too well. Yikes. He actually recognizes the fact that in his hairy nakedness <laughs> that Jean and Phoenix are separate entities. Can the professor really split them apart? Beast again, wrestling with the legality of Lalandra's sentence, should we just take her for a word that what Jean's accused of? But he also seems to be okay once his masseuse arrives. Mm, Jesus. Oh, my stars and garters. Ugh. Colossus, recognizing the evil he felt from Phoenix, but the love that he feels for Jean. He can't bring himself to leave her to this fate, regardless of how he feels. And Storm, dealing with the separation from Earth and her previous self, she's feeling as though 
She's never happy anymore. She left home to join the X-Men, her new family, and Jean, her new sister. I will defend her to the death. And we got Cyclops, teetering sides of duty and love in his mind. It's interesting. Each of their struggles are different, but deeply specific to them as characters and how like they're dealing with this. And I feel like that's just a shout out to, to Claremont working those words. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get it. I get that there's, you know, a difference between Jean and the Phoenix. But if then fine, then, then make Jean fight for her own like life. Why does it have to be someone else? I mean, so that that will be addressed in a couple of pages. I know. I'm just saying my feelings. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. She comes out in her Marvel Girl costume. You're dressed as Marvel Girl? I'm not sure. Nostalgia, pride. I started as Marvel Girl, and that's how I'll finish. That's like in the in the animated show, right? Yeah, yeah like a lot. I'll, I'll, I mean, most successful adaptation of. The Phoenix and Dark Phoenix Saga. But the animated show doesn't have the Hellfire Club stuff in it. Uh, Does it? Yes. I don't remember that. I remember this. I remember the Shi'ar being really upset about Jean's power and the f- her the battle and her getting into her Marvel Girl costume and then that turns into like the Green Phoenix or something. I'm pretty sure there is... Not to the degree that there was in the story that we've just. Oh, but he, he's like, you're my wife. Yeah, yeah. There was, there was the Hellfire Club in the animated series. The location is on the moon, the blue area of the moon. Oh, the blue area of the moon, where they now live yeah. in Krakoa. Which is kind of interesting. The reclamation of that as a location. Mm. I just want to tell you that I'm fighting for Jean. I won't ask any of you to join me. I haven't the right, and I won't think any the less of you if you decide not to. See, like this, I don't mind. Like, I don't mind Cyclops saying, I'm going to fight for Jean, or any of them saying, I'm going to fight for Jean. What I mind is Xavier being like, one of them is going to fight for Jean, without talking to them and not offering to do it himself. For sure. But I feel like that was him knowing that that could be a way to stall and plan and to figure something out. Like, that was the only way out of that situation, because otherwise they were ready to kill her just then. Like mm. They were ready to destroy it. So what other play does he have other than this very specific honor code that the Shi'ar are bound by? And he knows that Scott's going to do it. Like He, he knows that Scott's going to fight for the woman he loves. Yeah. And even here, I feel like this is then you know, kind of the other side of that coin. Scott saying, I'm going to do it. You don't have to. But we, Scott, we uh, talked this out amongst ourselves before we got here. And we're all agreed. We're with you and Gene to the end. So they're all going. They're all doing it. And they teleport to the blue area of the moon. Dun, dun, dun. Getting ready for anything as the battle is about to begin. The second team arrives over there. Now, this area of the moon is interesting. It's, it's got all these ruins and technology, and it's in a space that has air. So that they're able to actually breathe and, and fly, but Angel flies too high up. Oh no! is caught outside of the safe zone. Yeah. So his wings aren't responding in the same way to the lighter gravity. And also Storm doesn't have the same amount of space to work with their elemental powers. So they're at all sorts of disadvantages. Yeah. But they go through some tactics and strategy and prepare for the standoff. This split team, each running into opposition as they fight the Imperial Guard. And they attack as a team throw off the X-Men with their unknown powers because they don't even know. They know some of these guys, but not all of them. Right. New enemies. 
new opponents. Yeah. And from behind, Gladiator attacks, throwing Storm and Wolverine off. Storm saves Wolverine by his underpants again. Ah, classic move. As they fall and run into Earthquake, this epic, epic shot of Storm fighting back. I'll take that Earthquake and I'll raise you a brick tornado. (laughs) And she's going after Earthquake. She's attacked from behind by Hussar. Oh, no. They take her down. First blood goes to the Imperial Guard. A good omen, he says. Yikes. Yikes. That's not a good sign, friends. I love this shot on the other side of the other team fighting. Angel, Nightcrawler, Cyclops, and Marvel Girl. Phoenix, Jean, whatever you want to call her. Nightcrawler recognizing the difficulty they have ahead of them. We're holding our own, but that's about it. He's having trouble with the fact that everyone else can fly and he's feeling useless on the ground. As Oracle and Smasher take Angel and throw him down into a pit. Yikes. Well, Wolverine can't fly. He's on the other team. So he, oh. Nightcrawler's like, you can't see them. And Gene and Cyclops have long range attacks. They're able to do something from a distance. You know, the other team, yeah, technically, except for Storm, Beast Colossus and Wolverine, they're fighting more hand-to-hand up close. Mm-hmm. Maybe with a fastball special here or there. Nightcrawler goes after Angel to rescue him. And Wolverine kind of stumbles into the Watcher's home. Oh. And he's just, Uatu is not happy. The Watcher is much larger than I thought. That's him on the screen. Oh. But also he is very large. And he shows Logan all the defenses and dangers of his home before kicking him out with a fair warning never to return. Oh, get out. Get out of here. Don't come back. I got dinosaurs. Storm finds him, but something's wrong. His senses are, are telling him it's all off. Storms Grabs her by the head and throws her, and that's, it's really a scroll that's warrior. That's a really cool image of her like the transition. turning back yeah. to a scroll. Yeah. Wolverine goes in for the attack, but is thwarted by the Kree warrior, which the scroll takes great offense to and retaliates to the Kree warrior. So now they're fighting. So now they're fighting with each other. Yep. Well, that's bound to happen. Yep. Meanwhile... Nightcrawler can't find Angel at the bottom of the pit, but notices Manta. Tries to go sneak up on him. He's got his little disappearing in deep shadows, but Manta can see infrared. Oh, snap. You didn't see that one coming. You did not. As the other team is fighting, the tide seems to be turning until Beast is attacked with electricity. Colossus tries to save him, but is thwarted by Gladiator. Gladiator. And they go all out fighting the two of each other. Oof, they go grub. all out fighting each other. Yeah. Grumble. They're taking down buildings as they go. Gladiator emerges victorious as another X-Man falls. Oh, no. Charles on Lander's flagship, watching on, devastated, hoping his X-Men would have been able to succeed. Lalandra equally affected, knowing she cannot aid her love. Marvel Girl and Cyclops are the only two left. And they go and hide for a brief moment to regroup before heading into the final fight. Oh, no. This is going to end badly. Yeah. There's some poetic narration as they recount the timeline of their experiences together. Something is happening. Registering energy off the scales. Phoenix is reborn. 
Uh-oh. The power takes out the gravity on the ship, destroying everything around them. Lalandra calls out in desperation. She's like, this is why we had to do what I said. And Charles recognizes she's right. It must stop her to save the human race. Hear me, my X-Men, hear me. Phoenix is unleashed, building in fury as Xavier reaches Cyclops and instructs him take down Jean before it's too late. You got to do it, man. He's he's going back and forth, you know, like, what do you mean? I, I have to take down the woman I love? Storm joins the attack and creates a tornado to hold her. Oof. Wrap her up in that wind, Storm. The other X-Men join in, too. They were all called by Xavier. They know they need to take down Jean before it's too late. Wolverine throws Colossus, a remix of the Fastball special. Yeah, I was like, wait, what? Throwing him in human form as he transforms into armor and punches her. Oof. But inside his head, he's, he's he can't kill her. He's never killed anyone before. Colossus is a big teddy bear. He is. I mean, you know, like little brother is what... Aurora always calls him, you know, he's the, the heart of the team, but he's also the, the strongest member. He's pulled his punch, but at the same time knocks some sense into Jean. She knows that neither side can survive. The two of them, Phoenix and Jean, are a symbiotic relationship, uncontrollable. She's begging her team to kill her as they waver, and she returns to the Dark Phoenix. Uh-oh. Oh, this is a difficult, difficult situation to be in. Yeah. She's fighting it, but barely hanging on. She kills herself with a weapon nearby as Scott screams, recognizing the plan that's been happening all along, weaken herself in the fight to be able to take herself out. This whole time? This whole time. We get a little final recap of a recorder watching on. A non-cellular humanoid created by the colonizers of Regal to think and to record. I have observed all that has transpired here, yet I do not comprehend the making of these events. My historical circuits inform me that Jean Grey was counted a force for good on Earth. As Phoenix, her power saved the entire universe from extinction, yet she was hunted. She w- and yet she was hounded unto death because she was human, says the Watcher. Insufficient answer, Watcher. Please, elucidate further. All beings carry within them a capacity for good and evil. All our actions result from the interaction of these two fundamental forces. No one is ever completely good. Or completely evil. That's it. That's it. She just takes herself out and then end of Phoenix Saga. End of Phoenix Saga. I mean, the next issue is essentially a it's Jean's funeral as they do like kind of a recap of everything that's happened in the X-Men so far, which I think you actually read. I think I did because that was, the first that was issue. right before. That's the first issue that is in the... Phalanx Covenant? Nope. No. That's the first issue that is in the Days of Future Past trade paperback. Oh, yeah. And so at the end of that issue, Kitty is dropped off in the same way that Jean was. And Scott leaves the team. Storm now becomes the leader. A couple issues. And then the Days of Future Past story. And then how does Jean come back? We'll get to that another time. Oh. What'd you think? Overall, big thoughts. It's a lot. It's a lot, right? It's it's maybe a little too much, I guess. It's a lot. It's more than I knew. It's not like it's too much. It's just, I don't know. I have interesting feelings about it as a story arc because I just feel like there's there's some holes. But I think that I feel like that because I didn't actually read it. Right. So I mean, I could only, we, this was probably the most page by page we've ever gone on an arc because everything of this arc was kind of building to yeah, the Yeah, it end. all seems pretty important. Right. Uh, and there's, it's Claremont, so there's tons of word bubbles on every page. Right. 
So there's a lot that you're not getting. So that might be kind of speaking to the holes that you're thinking of. But it's really just it's I up until the Hellfire Club and the fact that like that manipulation of her and this idea that like the Phoenix really doesn't like to be controlled. I think my understanding or my interpretation is that Jean and the Phoenix could have lived together. But because the Phoenix was pushed to this place where it didn't want to be pushed, it went over the edge and then made Jean go crazy. Mm-hmm. And so she that's why she was attacking the team. And then this was like the only the only way that she could stop it was to kill herself. So like I get all of that. Well, so and then there was the so initially Claremont had written that she wouldn't die. Like the initial story is that Claremont wanted her to essentially be rehabilitated oh yeah and then didn't that guy say Jim you Shooter have to was kill like, her and if you kill her that's it we won't bring her back and chris was like not nah, we did but if i kill her that's she's dead and they were like okay and then he killed her and then they're like ha, she back years later yeah years later they brought her back but the conversation was like you can't you can't just have her be rehabilitated she just murdered five billion people but you could have had the argument that that she didn't murder those people. Phoenix murdered those people. Yeah, I guess. But that's not really what they were seeing it as. Like she was really discovering and Wolverine noticed that they were two separate entities. But there was really no way of separating the two. Like there was no way even he acknowledges like how can the professor split the two of them? Like they're so involved into each other as as different sides of the same coin. Yeah, but I feel like it could have gone a, a Venom route, you know? Where Jean like was in control uh, and this symbiotic side was more. Well, just that, that like in that instance, right? Like Venom has control over the host. Right. And so, but there, and then there's a way to separate them. So that there could have been like that kind of thing in the storyline. Yeah, maybe. But that was, that was the argument is that, you know, like she did all these terrible things. You can't just, the, the three options were one, she just gets rehabilitated and they live a happy life ever after, which he was like, no, you can't do that. And then they were like, okay, well, what if she's like in space jail? You know, she's captured by the Shi'ar and she's sentenced to jail. And Claremont was like, well, then that's what the book becomes. They're just trying to break her out of prison. You know, like mm-hmm. the X-Men aren't going to stop and just be okay with that. And so Shooter was like, we're going to kill her then. And he was like, what? You know, I, I actually, I think Claremont pitched the idea. He was like, we're going to kill her. And Shooter was like, okay, let's kill her, you know, calling the the bluff. And he was like, wait, what? You can't, what? We can't kill her. Oh, dear. Yeah. So that was what you were alluding to. They they were like, okay, but if we kill her, we can't bring her back. You know, that's like the big thing. And for a number of years, that was the big thing. And that was essentially what you're referring to is almost the the reason why. I think that was just in like one of the documentaries that we saw that it was, it was phrased or portrayed that it was kind of like a sneaky like ha, we're bring her back even though it was i mean it, it just in that documentary it shortens the time that mm. it happened right it, they recount the story back to back versus it being this is happening right now in 1980 and then i think she doesn't come back until maybe 1985 oh that's a pretty big gap 1986 mm. but i mean I liked it. I'm glad to finally know it. Yeah. Now, so I had always initially when we started the podcast or when we started the classic issues, I didn't want to tackle this one first 
because that's where a lot of people say, oh, maybe you start there because it is early on in Claremont's run. Like the, the Phoenix saga is only a handful of issues. You already start seeding it. And then it becomes this long arc of the Phoenix saga. And then this giant arc of the dark Phoenix saga. I felt like we shouldn't necessarily start with that because of how big the stories are. And because, you know, wanting to knowing the negative uh, reactions to some of the movies and wanting to really build some more connection to the the bigger picture characters and plots. Yeah, I think it's it's very complex and it's better to understand the characters a little bit more and I also just think regardless of whether or not I I knew the characters better or the world or the universe better just digging into something this complex and this long right at the beginning might have been a, a little off. too much. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, and I didn't want to do that. Didn't want to do that. You know, this is one man's elaborate scheme, right? <laughs> gotta, You've been gotta, scheming. Got to pace these things. Can't just... So if if you're wondering, you know, that's why the Phoenix Saga is here. The Dark Phoenix Saga is here. Because I feel like it's, it's a great story. It is the X-Men story. You know, it is often number one on the best stories ever of X-Men. What? The Dark Phoenix. Okay. What, you disagree? I don't, I, yes. What would you say? I mean, I didn't read it. Like I said, I didn't read it. So I can't really say, but. I think it's also referencing in scale, in for its time, in the impact that it had, and just the size of the narrative and and how this, this book launched, this story launched the book. Like this was, Mm. it was already on an upward trajectory, but then this was like. Right. It's a game changer. Right. This was. Everybody loved it, slash, or hated it, because... Everyone had feelings. Everyone had feelings, yeah. Well, great. And I know you love it, so I don't have to ask you how you feel about it. I do love it. I do. I would agree that... And it, it's funny, I didn't really see it like you had... But then you had said the whole goes one way, and then, you know, the, the couple of issues did spend a little time longer than I remember sometimes of her fighting the X-Men and going back and forth. And um, this, even the, the double-sized issue with full pages of them wrestling with these emotions which you know that's just claremont in his language yeah it's character building yeah well until next time old friend charles thanks so much for joining us today on the ex-wife podcast be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends the Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan.